Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill, Les Kaiser, and Jonathan Green. It's the fastest hour on the radio. Speed City. Good evening, gearheads. Welcome to Speed City. Happy Rolex 24 to everyone out there. We are very excited. We have a fantastic show tonight. This is John Massengale. I'm sitting in the studio, and I'm joined over Zoom by Jonathan Green and Les Kaiser. Good evening, gentlemen. How are you both? Good. I like that. I like that happy Rolex. I, I mean, it really is a, a full day. It's 24 hours, so why shouldn't it have its own day? Ah, absolutely. How are you, Les? Hey, doing great. Doing great. You know, it, it is uh it's such an amazing event, and like I said, here we are coming up on the uh, the American football, just so we don't get an argument with Jonathan, but we're coming up on the Super Bowl for the American football you know, community. Well, racing, we start off with the Super Bowl. Let's just kick it out of the park and make it start off excellent, and we did. Yes, yes, the big football game coming up. Yes, I know the one you're talking about. Um, all right, hey, let me run down the uh, <laughs> let me run down the guests we have on tonight because we have a star-studded array of guests. We're going to start off with an interview we did with Kevin Magnuson on Friday morning. Fantastic time talking to Kevin. It was great, man. He was fired up and ready to go. And we also are hearing that Ricky Taylor is going to be joining us. I don't know how he's going to break away from the champagne and whatever else is going on out there. So we'll we'll hope to get Ricky Taylor here in a bit. And we have a we young add to the entertainment value. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we've had that happen before. We've had a driver or two come on after the race with the champagne flowing in their bloodstream. And it's fun. So hopefully that will happen. Uh, we also have a young gun that we have uh, Nick Pershing, who's a his driver in the uh, USF4 series. He's going to try to join us here. I think he'll be on later in the show. So looking forward to having all those guests. But I think I want to jump in and start talking about the Rolex 24 because I did get to see... I was calculating, I think I saw about nine and a half hours on Saturday, and then I saw from about 8 a.m. on today. So I, I didn't miss but about, I don't know, six or eight hours t- of the total 24. So I was, uh, I loved every minute of it. I was, I was working on the shop, listening, and had a blast. But but how about the finish to that race, guys, with the Acura winning the race over the Cadillac of uh, of of uh, Chip Ganassi's team and man that Cadillac looked fast all weekend and I think had that had we not seen a puncture that the Cadillac probably would have won it but what do you think guys do you think that puncture had anything to do with them pushing or do you think it was just luck of the draw I kind of feel like it was pushing I mean I I really you know I loved watching close in you know I, I, they could have totally played the theme from the Jaws movie under that yeah the last thirty minutes but. I feel like he was pushing it and he just overtaxed things. But, you know, gosh, you got to go for it. Well, with Albuquerque. Uh, I I feel for Cadillac because I felt like, you know, this was going to be their day and they were closing in and they were down a half a second at one point. Uh, So I really do feel for him. And obviously I wanted K-Mac to to pull it off um, because he's so, you know, he's so excited about being part of the sports car scene. Um, Why do I think it happened? Uh, you know, anything can happen and you are pushing in that final stint. There's no question about it. And it's not that you're not pushing for the other 23 hours and a half. 
Um, but you are, it's, it's no holds barred and everybody starts pushing. I mean, I, that's the first time in history in the Rolex that all the top five cars were on the same lap, which if you compare it to Le Mans, which is a lot longer of a lap, um, you know, you're on an infield here, you're on 133 kind of lap. Um, so it's incredible really, when you think about it, they were all on the same. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was, it was crazy. It was very cool too. And, uh, and you know we, we were they they interviewed Albuquerque at the end of the race and he was talking about that Cadillac and he said he said I th- I think I could I thought I could see the eyeballs in my rearview mirror he was on my bumper so much so it was a great way to finish that race and I did feel for you know we had just spoken with Magnuson and you know Magnuson had that error earlier in the race where his tires were spinning while he was stopped so he you know let up maybe it was one of those left foot braking right foot braking kind of things but. But that was that was painful because that took them from uh, from first to fourth or fifth, I think, when they finally restarted after that, uh, after the restart, after the uh, they stopped the race for a minute. But yeah, so that I know Magnuson's probably beating himself up over, up over that. But but you know what, guys, I, I want to break down the rest of the race later in the show. I think I want to start with this interview that we did with Kevin Magnuson. We caught up with him on a Friday morning. Just he was just about to get in the car for practice. And so we're going to play the first section of this interview with Kevin Magnuson now. All right, Speed City fans, we are very excited to have back on the show from Daytona, Kevin Magnuson. Kevin, welcome back to Speed City. Thank you very much. Well, we're excited to have you. And uh, I got to start with congratulations on becoming a dad. I'm in that club. And uh, I think you got to get used to your daughter coming early because they're going to inconvenience your life a lot from this point on. <laughs> uh, I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. No, thank you. It's uh, It's been amazing. It's been some, some good couple of weeks. Well, I see you're in the trailer out there, the Chip Ganassi trailer. Are you uh, getting fired up for some practice today? Yeah, I am. It's um, last day before uh, the race. So just the last time in the car uh this morning uh before it all all starts so um i think we're ready we've had some some good weeks of uh preparation and uh i think it looks like we've we've been pretty competitive uh but we'll see when we come to the race how how competitive uh, we are i think compared to the other cadillacs at least we look um we look pretty good kevin i gotta ask i mean for for a lot of uh, Formula One drivers, this would be a, a big leap. Um, but, you know, given what your father's achieved and, 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 and I'm sure been very much aware of yourself coming to the States and stuff, this is actually a normal, this is pretty much a, a kind of Magnus and progression uh, to come and race in the States and, you know, uh, uh, do that. So was it a big, big change for you or did you feel right at home? No, I would say it, it, it is a big change, but... Um... It's uh, it, it's something I needed. I think you know, uh, I I I feel like it, it sounds wrong when I if I say that you know I I got bored in in Formula One, but that's almost kind of how it how it is. I mean, um, the last couple of years um, I've been in an unco- uncompetitive situation in Formula One, and you know even before that I've had some some years where top fives were possible and you know, where you could even sort of hope for a podium, but, you know, that's not really what I go racing to do, you know, uh, to, to get in the top five or to get on, on the podium or yes, on the podium, but on the top step of the podium, you know, it's like, that's, that's what you want to do. That's, that's what you strive to do. And, and I think if you're a real winner, then, then you won't be satisfied with, with top fives and, you know, top tens and all this and I think in the end the last couple of years it's the focus has been on trying our best to just even get one or two points you know uh, and I think that just got a bit old at the end the cars are super cool to drive but um, I've just missed you know going for wins and you know looking looking to win the championship and then this opportunity with, with Chip Ganassi racing came up and and I think um you know, I couldn't I couldn't see a better option to go and win races straight away than than with these guys. Yeah, we yeah. smiled. I, I called John when you when you took the lead early on last weekend. We went, yay! 
K-Mac, K-Mac's <laughs> in the mood. Um, but it must have felt good, you know, just to sort of say, right, I'm in a competitive car. I'm in a great, iconic circuit. And here I go. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it was uh, it was a great feeling to to be, uh, you know, fighting at the front again. And actually, we were looking like uh, wins, uh, a, a win could be possible there. It was only a qualifying race, so it wasn't super important. But, uh, you know, it still felt great to be fighting at the front. Well, Kevin, I got to ask you, that Cadillac has been very competitive, that DPI, ever since it came out in 2017. In fact, when it came out in 2017, it had a 6.2 liter, and they just cleaned up the field. I think the next year they came back with a 5.5 because they ended up doing too much uh, BOP. So, I mean, you've got every chance in the world. You've got a fantastic car to, to win this weekend. Absolutely. I mean, the Cadillac is, uh, is a great car. It just works and it's fast and it's nice to drive and uh, you know it's reliable and well knock on wood so far it's been reliable <laughs> and uh, I think you know we ha we we have a real chance of fighting for the win here and that just feels really really cool and I'm I'm just super happy to be here and and ready to go racing. Well, you got to talk about that big booming five and a half liter V8. The sound of that, that that's got to be a nice change from the clinical sound of a formula one car these days it is it's so nice to drive a, a real engine again you know it's like uh formula one cars are super powerful so that they're they're pretty they're fun to drive because they have so much power and so much grip but they're pretty you know i don't know sterile or kind of like uh they, they lack a bit of i don't know character or soul um it's very sort of you know uh, electric and uh, I don't know it's just nice to drive a big big engine you know that has a lot of torque has no turbo no uh, hybrid system and those those other systems are nice and, and you know fun to drive as well but this is this has a, you know this has something that that uh, you know I would call character or you know we all we all got into motorsport uh, early on and I think the the things that that really um, fired up our passion was 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 the sound and the, the look of the cars and you know the smell and the the, the kind of atmosphere and those things i think in in american racing is uh, preserved you know those those cars over here many of them have great sound and and you know have those things still so i think um all those years with my dad i've i've been able to go to a couple of races over here and i i've you know, I've seen that the that the racing over here is, is really really cool. So, I wanted to to try it for myself, and uh, as I said, super happy to be able to do it with Chip Ganassi Racing and Cadillac, and uh, uh, hopefully we can go and, and win some races. Yeah, I know that he wanted to to do well. I think they were, you know, he didn't seem to be overconfident about it because the Cadillacs, you know, they've done so well in the past, but. But he was fired up. But we got some more of that Kevin Magnuson interview coming up. But we're going to go ahead and take a break now. When we come back, we'll continue to break down and talk about the Rolex 24. And you're listening to Speed City live in Austin. Back after a quick break. is back at Circuit of the Americas March 6th and 7th. It's the ultimate time attack challenge where top drivers compete for the fastest lap times in fully tuned track built cars featuring the Grid Life Touring Cup, Lone Star Trap Ride-Alongs, food trucks, a Just Vibes car show and more. Plus, the Life Motorsports Nissan GTR is back to defend its time of 207-181. It's a whole weekend of family fun. Tickets are $10 online, $20 at the box office. Find out more at superlapbattleusa.com. As a rider, you know what you like. The power, the feel, the ride. When it comes to gear, you know what keeps you safe. Ducati Austin provides riders with the finest in day and easy leathers. The best the market offers. Visit Ducati Austin on Breaker Lane just east of I-35 and throw your leg over the most iconic sports bike ever built. Ducati. Even take it for a test ride or see what's been described as art on wheels from MV Augusta. You know what you like. See it at Ducati Austin. Online at DucatiAustin.com. 
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Austin's Talk, 1370. Roger Hayden, Factory Yoshimura Suzuki. This is Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. Welcome back to the show. We're excited. Rolex 24 day. And we just heard from Kevin Magnuson. And I just, as we came back on the air, got an email from Ricky Taylor's team. And he's going to join us at 745 Central Time. So in about a half hour from now. So we're going to continue to talk about the Rolex 24. I was just looking at all the different classes and... You know, the, uh, let me just talk about those real quick. So, obviously, the Acura one with uh, Alexander Rossi, Halo Castanervis, Ricky Taylor, and Felipe Albuquerque. And then right behind him, of course, was the other Cadillac from with uh, Kobayashi, Pagano, Rockefeller, and Jimmy Johnson. And then the Mazda, Oliver Jarvis, Harry Ticknell, and Jonathan Mamarito. So, we had an Acura, a Cadillac, and a Mazda, top three on the podium. That was cool. And then the Meyer Shank Racing Cadillac, uh, excuse me, Acura after that. And then the Cadillac of Chip Ganassi. And and then after that was the LMP2. And, and I wanted to talk about some of the other, uh, some of the other, the class and stuff. Because GTLM, of course, the Corvettes guys just, um, just looked amazing. So Jordan Taylor and Katzberg and Garcia won uh, that class. And then Alexander Sims, Nick Taney, Tommy Milner yeah, be behind them. John, I'll be interested to see what Ricky has to say because obviously, you know, his brother winning a yeah. Corvette, but he's been part of that project, as has his dad. Uh, and so, you know, it, it almost went unnoticed, not unnoticed, but, you know, that C8 is just flying at the moment. And uh, I, I can't believe straight out of the box it's as good as it is. You know, what I think on that, Jonathan, is, I mean, if you think about what General Motors has at stake, right? This is their halo car. This is the General Motors halo car. Yeah. And it, it's such a huge, ginormous shift to go to that mid-engine that's been talked about for decades and decades. And it's been an over-the-top success on the street, right? I mean, these cars are going for, I, I, you know, every now and then I'll look and see what they're selling for. They're all selling for 100000 plus, and I don't know what the stickers on those were. But it's been a fantastic. A lot less, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. And I don't know if you know the the uh, the the unicorn sixty thousand dollar one. I don't even know how many of those have been sold because supposedly it starts right at sixty. But the point is, is that General Motors was not going to let this fail. I don't know. I don't know all the financial rules of IMSA, but I guarantee you, General Motors put a lot of resources to make sure that this car is good. Uh, that's not to say that they don't have a great team because they've been doing this for a long time. Corvette's been successful for a long time, but I bet you that there's a lot of resources put into that. What do you think about that, Les? Uh, I agree. Yeah, I think they are also kind of queuing up uh, not only for the public, what's going to be, you know, how the Corvette was received, what's expected of the Corvette community of a Corvette on track. That's a big part of it. 
mm-hmm. you know, the uh, all of that is is playing into it. But you mentioned GTLM. GTLM is the class that's going away next year. Mm, yeah, you know, now without the uh, Ford in place, without the Porsche out on the track, we're down to BMW and the Corvette. And so uh, two brands don't make a class. And so we're going to see the GT Pro uh, class come up. And it's going to be of similar nature, uh, a little more balanced power, things like that coming into play. But I think it's the Corvette, I can't imagine it not dominating no matter what, because of the culture, the history, and the community that uh, that is here, you know, quite honestly, all over the world. I saw Corvette logos when I was overseas. So uh, it's a known car and it's a power name and it's American. Like K-Mag says, there's something about that rumble and that torque. <laughs> Yeah, that was I like listening to him talk about that that motor. But uh, and you know, speaking of that motor and the versus the uh, the Acura car, you know that the Acura is is actually a less sophisticated version of the Acura street car because it doesn't have the hybrid system. But Jonathan, you were I, I don't know if it was during the break I think we were talking, but you're talking about the the speed of the Cadillac and the straights, and but but think about a five and a half liter V8 about how that and versus a turbocharged V6. Turbo's got to spin up a little bit, got to build boost a little bit. So you punch it, and you got to, no matter how good the turbo is designed, there's going to be a little spool time, right? It's going to take us at least a, a part of a second to spin up. And the V8 doesn't do that. The V8, when you punch it, it goes. I mean, and that's the that's the beauty of a naturally aspirated engine. It is the power that it makes is especially a big one like that. It's instantaneous right there. Yeah, the thing I noticed was that, um, you know, Yesterday, when the race began, and and as you know, it was very similar um, in that uh, the Cadillacs were right at the front, and and the commentators were saying, you know, look how good it is on the on the banking in a straight line. Um, that's where it makes up its time, and yet in that final half hour, when um, Albuquerque was being chased hard by Van der Zand, um, he wasn't making the same impact, and I, I was just wondering, you know, what had changed, you know, over that twenty four hours. Um, and I don't know, it could be just fuel load. It could be anything. It could be just, uh, I mean, maybe, maybe they were worried about the tire going and, and all the rest of it. One comment I did want to make was I, I, I really like today, 49 entries, the world's top drivers, without a doubt, Jimmy Johnson, Scott Dixon, they're all there. Uh, uh, Chase you know, Elliott, uh, yeah. Alexander Rossi. Yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. But what I like is that GM on the one hand are kicking butt. Uh, in combustion racing, and yet their marketing plan for the future is to be electric completely by, I think they announced uh, 2035 or 20, something like that, which which, which is bold, um, very bold. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I really, I think that's really refreshing that they, you know, that they see that racing is racing and is still the spectacle of combustion and a combination, um, as we've seen. But, 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 you know, they are going headlong as are Ford and, and many of the other companies. And obviously, uh, Elon Musk coming here, um, you know, we're getting to that point where, it, 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 you know, hey. we have both. Yeah. Hey, there he is. <laughs> we, we just had our next guest join the show. <laughs> At the perfect time. How's it going? Hey, Nick, how are you? I'm good. Jonathan, why don't you introduce this- Nick? Yeah, this is Nick. I've got to get the right pronunciation. Persing or Pershing? Persing. Persing. I got it right. Nick Persing is a 17-year-old racer. He is going to be delighted to see who we've got on the show tonight. We've had K-Mag already. We're hoping to have the Rolex winner, Ricky Taylor. So if you hang about, you can ask him a question. Um, But we want to talk to you because you... Uh, are going to be in the F4 series racing for VRD and Dan Mitchell. I had a quick chat with Dan Mitchell before we went on air, and he's really excited about having you in his car. I don't know how much you're paying him to say nice things about you, <laughs> but he thinks you've got real talent. Yeah, uh, Dan, yeah, Dan's a great guy. He's he's been such he's been really helpful as a as a team manager. He, he does a lot for the entire team. He knows what he's doing very well, and he, he does a good job promoting all of his drivers too, which is great. Did you watch the Rolex today? Yes, I did. What did you think? Uh, I was that I couldn't believe that it came down to that battle at the end after a twenty four hour race. That was that was pretty crazy. I was because. You know, I went to sleep. I wasn't going to stay up 24 hours and watch the whole race. 
well, Jones I turned it away. On. <laughs> yeah, I, I turned it on and I'm like, wow, it's still this close after after however many hours it was. And I watched it till the very end since I woke up. Yeah, Nick, uh, I got to ask you, it, it's just pretty cool to have, you know, we've got Kevin Magnuson, the next F1 driver, and we've got Ricky Taylor coming on. You know, you know what's he won like twenty races in IMSA, and then we got the next up and coming. I mean, this is got to feel pretty good, right? Yeah, I can't believe I'm here. <laughs> hey, listen, Nick, tell it. You're 17, is as much as we know. I know you're a tall fellow at six three. Uh, tell us about uh, where you're from. You're calling in from California, but give us a bit of background on on you. Yeah, I I was born in Morgan Hill, California. I've been here all my life. Um, uh, it's good. It's kind of a, it's, it's a more of a suburban town. You know, I, I go to high school, I go to a public high school. I'm, I'm a, I'm your average teenager, but, uh, I still race or I race. Um, and it's, it's hard. I think like balancing racing and school and friends and all that at a teenager's age, it's, it's, it, it gets really difficult, uh, especially balancing the school aspect too. Cause a lot of, a lot of kids my age do the, do the like online racing schooling, all that. But I, I wanted to go to a, just a public high school, you know, also have like a normal high schooler life too, but it's been hard to balance, but so far it's been going great. So it's all good. So Nick, do you play the, I'm a race car driver girl uh, when you're talking to girls? Uh, I mean, it, it helps sometimes. <laughs> yeah. I, I try not to bring it up most of the time, but if, if the question of, oh, what sports do you do come up, I, I always bring that up first. Hey, Nick, I want to ask you, I'm also like almost 6'3", and the first time I went into a race car, uh, I was doing Skip Barber, and I got in, and the guy was like, this isn't going to work. He says, those size 13 and a half shoes, and you, I don't know. And he literally said, those shoes are just not going to work. You're going to have to get out and go get some different shoes. I'm, I'm assuming you've had trouble with yep. getting in cars. Yes. Yeah. I'm a size 12, um, normally, but I can, I can get away in the F4 car. I can get away with an 11 and a half and still be comfortable. <laughs> so that's, that's the, I mean, it's, it's not that bad of a struggle. It's half a shoe size really. Yeah. But, um, the, the height aspect is really what's hard The you have to pour the seat perfectly to be able to fit into the car. And when they're measuring you to make sure that you fit in the car, you got to squeeze down in there to make sure that you're not over the limit or anything. It, it's, it's a, it's a struggle being tall. Yeah. I mean, what's the biggest thing? I mean, I knew Justin Wilson really well. He was a tall guy, Gerhard Berger in formula one, George Russell, of course, famous story of getting into Hamilton's car and, and everybody <laughs> joked that he left a size 11 shoe in there because Hamilton had a, had a brake problem the, the race afterwards. <laughs> but um, I mean, what is, is it cramp? What's the hardest part or is it even aerodynamics, which could actually physically slow you down with your head being so high? So in the, in the cars, the aerodynamics doesn't matter as much, but in the karting, because I, I do a ton mm. of karting. I, I try to go to the kart track every weekend just to stay in shape and stuff like that. Great way to stay in shape. Um, it does affect you a lot in go-karting. Um, and all tall drivers can relate to it. But in the car, it's more just a comfortability thing, just being comfortable in the car. It's really hard to just find a, a – it's, it's hard because – like I would have back problems too, sitting in the car because I'm so low. I'd be on the floor of the car without any support or anything. It just gets so uncomfortable. Mm, yeah, I believe that. I, I mean, Jonathan, you were asking that question. I was thinking everything about being. I was in a little Formula Ford. This was 20 years ago, but everything about squeezing into that car was horribly uncomfortable. And I mean, you forget about it once you're at speed, but man, it, it's definitely uncomfortable. Well, hey, Nick, let's, we got to take a break. Stick with us through this break and we'll continue our discussion with Nick Pershing. And we'll be back after a quick break from these, from these, these commercial messages. Thank Easy you. Easy for you to say. <laughs>
Winding Road Racing is your first and best choice for all the essentials for a great weekend at the track. We're racers, and we love helping racers. With a full selection of racing gear in stock, get geared up with all the safety equipment needed to meet all the latest Snell FIA and SFI regulations. Outfit your car with a comprehensive lineup of racing necessities, and when you need to find a few more tents, turn to data acquisition systems from AIM Sports, V-Box, and others. Austin-based with shops in California, Georgia, and Kentucky, the source for all your racing needs. Winding Road Racing, windingroadracing.com. When you're looking for traditional Tex-Mex, look no further than an Austin favorite, one in a million. Serving original family recipes since 1980 and located just minutes from downtown at 2300 East Cesar Chavez, one in a million has your Tex-Mex fix every day of the week from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. Breakfast is served all day. Homemade migas, enchiladas, and menudo. And try the Don Juan taco. Some say it's big enough to feed a family of four. One in a million. Online at oneinamillion.com. Austin's Talk 1370. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. This is Magnus Walker. Greetings from downtown LA and thanks for tuning in to Speed City. Keep Austin weird and get out and drive. Pedal to the metal. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, welcome back to the show. We are with our guest, Nick Persing. And Nick, I want to talk about, uh, I know you're going to be at Coda next weekend. We're going to talk about that. But before we do, I was reading an article on F4USChampionship.com about you uh, this coming up this season is going to be your uh, your full. You're going to do a fir- first time full season, and you're aiming for the top of this. Tell us about you know what your goals are for this coming season. Um, obviously, it's to win the championship. You know, I think uh, last season I it, it was uh, the biggest thing for me. The reason I feel like I didn't play so well is actually mid season I got injured uh, in a dirt biking crash. I, I do a lot of dirt biking on the side. And so I had to miss, uh, three races the whole round at Sebring. Um, and it, it took a, I was not at, at full strength at all until the final race of the season at Coda, but it's to win the season. I've been on a weight loss program. I've been working out like crazy, a lot of sim time. So it's, it's to win the championship. That's the ultimate goal for the season. I love that you say that you'd be amazed how many times I ask a race driver that question. And they don't say that. And, and that's in my mind. I'm thinking, well, it has to be to win. Why else are you here? But but yeah, but Les has a question for you. Go ahead, Les. Yeah, the last time you were at Ho- here at Coda, you did real well, wound up on the podium. Uh, what do you remember about those races at Coda? And uh, have you changed anything to, to get to that top step? Yeah, the, the biggest thing I've changed was actually the weight loss program. So I don't know if any, most of you guys probably don't know this, but last season I was really overweight in the car. I was about 20, almost 30 pounds over in the car. So I've been on a serious weight loss program to get that down because the weight really does matter in those lower horsepower cars. And it's it's huge. It's it's People don't realize how big of a deal it really is until they've had to experience it. So that's the biggest thing. Um, and that was kind of 
my first actual race with VRD too. And I was, I was still getting adjusted when I ran with them in Homestead. It was, it was really different for me. The way they ran was really different from my previous team. But uh, the biggest thing has been the, the working out, the weight loss, um, and just adjusting my driving style really for how they set up their cars and how they want me to drive it. I'm looking forward to the season and especially uh, some of the venues. Uh, I'll be doing the commentaries on your races as well, along with Trans Am. Uh, and it's going to be a really, really interesting season. Is there one particular circuit that you're looking forward to? So before the schedule got changed, I was really looking forward to Laguna Seca. Um, oh, yeah. But the schedule got changed. So I think now would have to be the opening round at Road Atlanta. I love that track. The big downhill in the back is just, it's so much fun. I remember my first time going over that crest. I thought I was going to crash into the wall. I was so <laughs> scared. And that's, that is one of the, that is the craziest corner I've ever had to drive in a race car before. Well, guys, I want to, I want to get a more general question to Nick. Why? I mean, like you say, you're six, three, you're from California, you're 17. Why not football or basketball or yeah. anything but motor racing? I mean, tell me, tell me what, I mean, I know there's some great, you know, I mean, Jeff Gordon, you name it, come from California, but why, why racing? Um, racing is just, it's, I don't know. I've loved it since I was a kid. I have a picture of me when I was probably, I'd say a couple months old, maybe a year old or so, and me driving around in a little plastic uh, Corvette. Uh, little power wheels toy i would we had a circle driveway and i would just do circles around the driveway for hours and hours since i was a little kid and so at first it was it was kind of a dirt biking thing we almost went the route with dirt biking in the very beginning um uh but i i don't know we just never went through with it and so after that when i was about eight years old i got my first go-kart and i've just loved racing ever since so was it influenced on like your dad go-kart? or anything or was it just just you just wanting to get in something with an engine i well my dad has always been uh, a motor guy he, I, ever since he was a kid too um so he did know a lot about like the whole racing scene i guess um he knew a lot about engines he knew a lot about cars and so he wanted to get me into it which was uh definitely part of getting into the go-karting but um the choice to actually be like this is what i want to do with my life that was more me well you know one of the things that i've learned is uh when we were doing some of the club sports stuff that i was in several of us uh better competitors were hanging out at the end of the day and it turned out every one of us that were really showing well at the time all had dirt bike experience uh, and i think that plays in well for you as well yeah i I think it it any sort of motorized experience at a young age will always, especially at a really young age, um, it, it does like, it does help just because you have so much experience just with engines at, at a young age, it translates because you have that, I guess, upper end on people who didn't have any motors experience when, uh, when they're first getting into the sport and stuff like that. I don't know. You know, Nick, it, we've all been watching the Rolex, and I wonder if you were thinking in the back of your mind because both Dakota Dickerson and Kyle Kirkwood mm-hmm. are big friends of the show, and we've been following their careers in F4 and F3, and are now, of course, both of them at the Rolex this weekend. Um, I'm sure that didn't go unnoted by you. They they followed your well, you you're following in their footsteps. Um, is it something you fancy doing, going to the Rolex and, and doing some sports car racing? Yeah, that's actually always been something that I've looked at. Um, 24 Hours of Daytona, Rolex, uh, 24 Hours of Le Mans. Those have always been big dreams of mine. I've never, it, it's surprising, but I, those have always been kind of a dream of mine over something like Formula One. I mean, IndyCar, Indy 500, I'd love to race in the Indy 500 or something like that. But it's the GT cars have always had like more of an appeal to me, I guess, in a way. I mean, wherever racing takes me, that's where I want to go. But um, I guess GT and like those kind of cars have always really appealed to me. I can see that. I mean, how many people love to see their car? I mean, that's half the fun of watching sports car racing, right? Cooper McNeil was talking about that today. 
You, know, you go out there, you drive a Porsche, and there's one on the track. You drive a Corvette, you drive a Lamborghini, a BMW, whatever it is, it's on the track. And, and I can see how you could have that dream over any other kind of racing. So, I mean, in fact, you've been driving a Corvette since you were two months old. That helps also. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Um, I've always been a, my family is a huge Porsche VW Audi family too. So that's always been a dream would to be to race for Porsche or something like that. But that's, that's, is a big reason. It's because you see these same road cars, I guess, racing around, but obviously they have a lot more equipment than the road cars do. But um, yeah, I guess that's definitely a big part of it. Well, Nick Percy, we want to thank you very much for coming on Speed City. We're going to let you go because we're going to go to a break and go to Ricky Taylor. We thank you very much. Best of luck this season, and maybe we'll see you next weekend here at Coda. All right. Thank you, guys. All right. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, Nick. All right. We're going to take a break, and we'll be back after these messages with Ricky Taylor. USA is back at Circuit of the Americas March 6th and 7th. It's the ultimate time attack challenge where top drivers compete for the fastest lap times in fully tuned track built cars featuring the Grid Life Touring Cup, Lone Star Trap Ride Alongs, Food Trucks, a Just Vibes Car Show and more. Plus, the Life Motorsports Nissan GTR is back to defend its time of 207-181. It's a whole weekend of family fun. Tickets are $10 online, $20 at the box office. Find out more at SuperLapBattleUSA.com. Motivation USA, catering to the sport bike enthusiast looking for truly unique parts and accessories. Stand out from the crowd. Motivation is the exclusive North American distributor for SC Project MotoGP-inspired exhausts and the largest Rizoma retailer in the United States. Get the best parts from around the world at the best prices with fast shipping and a knowledgeable staff ready to help. Shop online 24-7 at MotivationUSA.com. That's MotivationUSA.com. Talk 1370, the right choice. Hi, this is Jay Leno from jaylenosgarage.com, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, welcome back to the show. We are uh, celebrating Rolex 24 Day. I had a blast. Uh, Jonathan, where did you watch? How, how much did you watch of the race? I watched quite a lot of it. I started yesterday, and I was hanging out with my dad, who really enjoys the sports car racing. Um, his best friend in the world, Brian Redmond, won the Rolex three times. Uh, so uh, he's very familiar with that <laughs> kind of racing. But he, he was noting um, that, uh, you, you know, the cars look so different. But he really liked the new look of the, the, the Daytona prototypes. Uh, and I get that, you know, uh, they are pretty impressive to look at. Awesome. Well, we are excited because our guest has has uh, joined us and we want to welcome to the show overall winner of the Rolex 24. God, that sounds good, doesn't it? Ricky Taylor. Ricky, welcome to Speed City. Hey, guys. Thank you for having me. Ah, thanks a lot, it man. We appreciate good. you coming back on. Congratulations. Fantastic win today. Oh, thank you very much. Wow, it, uh, Ricky, it still doesn't quite feel real. <laughs> we, we were working out which one of the team would not be now heavily drinking, and we worked <laughs> out it would be you. Which one would not be drinking? You'd be correct. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> what a day, though, for your the Taylor family, your dad, your brother winning in GTLM, and a fantastic finish that uh, was nip and tuck. I mean, the stress must have been unreal. Oh, it was it was the most intense 24 hours uh, that I've ever experienced. And uh, yeah, like you said, for the family, it was just amazing. And we're so proud of Jordan and, and my dad and, and, you know, everybody for that effort. And um, and then uh, on, on our team side, it was uh, Philippe just doing a, a superhuman job at the end there. And uh, those last those last hour and 30 minutes were felt like a felt like an entire 24 hour just in itself with with the pressure from uh, the Ganassi one and and uh, the Mazda as well and the 48 it was it was a it was a really difficult end of the race but he did an amazing amazing job 
Well, Ricky, I want to ask you, I, when I think of you guys, I think of just super talented winners, but I also think of you, all of you are really nice guys and smart. But I want to ask you about the decision, the decision you made to let Philippe take that take that, that stint because that's such a big decision and such a, you know, I, I want to know what was going through your head. Yeah, so there was a lot of discussion in the, in the, with about, three hours to go and the plan was to go Philippe for four stints and then me for three to finish. And then it looked like that's the way the race was going. It was just so intense. It was hot and the track was in a, was, was in quite a difficult uh, condition with the winds were, you know, between 10 and 15 miles an hour uh, tailwind in the bus stop and tailwind in turn three. And it just made for a really a handful and so, uh, you know, between, between the four drivers and the engineering uh, department, we, we kind of came up with a, uh, a couple of plans. <laughs> we actually had all four guys ready. And so Philippe did three, and then I was going to do just two, and then Philippe was going to hop back in for three. Um, but when I was on my second stint, they asked me if I just wanted to go to the end. And, uh, and I said, it's, it's a long way to go if, if Philippe is up for it. Uh, he, he was doing an amazing job and, uh, I, I think any of the four, uh, we, we trusted, you know, wholeheartedly and, and put all of our faith in, but man, what we asked Philippe to do was, uh, was a bit extra and he, uh, he did, you know, such an incredible job with, with all that pressure and to hop right in because another, another side of it is with the, with the tricky conditions, Philippe was the freshest or the most up-to-date on, you know, what the car needed in, in those conditions. And um, otherwise, otherwise it would have been easier to pop one of the other two in there that were fresher. Mm. Well, that, that's a, a really incredible decision that you made, you know, that you guys all came up with, but, but that, that y'all did it without, you know, I'm going, I'm going or fighting or whatever. I know that's, it's got to be a team effort and a win like this. So that's, that's a big deal. But I want to ask you about the expectations going into the weekend. You know, we, Cadillac has, has just dominated the last few years in this. Um, talk about where you guys, you know, where your mindset was coming into to the weekend. Yeah, I mean, the roar was, was quite worrying for us. Uh, we did the, the qualifying race last weekend, and we didn't have a ton of pace. And coming into this weekend, we were our expectations weren't very high. Um, you know, the Conor Minolta 10-point Taylor racing car is always like, everybody looks to that car for at Daytona. And um, so, you know, people were saying, you know, you can't count us out. And, but in our own heads, we were like, ah, we're, we're kind of an underdog. We, d we don't know what kind of a shot we have against the Cadillac uh, with how much pace they showed and, you know, just the numbers of them. And it's such a proven package. Um, so we, we felt like, we felt like we had an outside chance, but uh, our play was just to survive and, and get there and see what we had at the end. And, um, even at the start of the race, Rossi and I were on the timing stand and kind of looking at each other and thinking, ah, the pace looks quite similar to last weekend, and we're just gonna have to stick to our plan and see how see how it comes out. And uh, and then this uh, this morning rolled around and uh, our pace didn't seem to really change, and everybody else has kind of backed up to us a little bit, and the conditions changed and. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I still don't think we were the outright fastest over a lap, but, uh, the team just executed so, so well. And, and all four drivers, I think to, to win the race these days, you, you can't have a weak link in the car. And, um, our, our, uh, crew of guys and, and all the guys on, on the pit crew did just uh, a flawless job. Ricky, I got to ask. So anytime you put together a combination of drivers, you see certain things that uh, in a certain scenario, I'm going to call this driver in and he's going to take it. Uh, what is your position? What is Rossi's position? What are, what are your key skills that we know one of you are going to take and when the other one's going to take? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. Cause uh, the, our engineer uh, often refers to us as like, he, he's the, he, the, you know, the team's looking at it from a strategic standpoint and we're just, tools of his to, mm -hmm. to use in certain scenarios. And um, when Jordan and I were together, those, uh, those roles were very, very well defined. And 
he knew exactly when he could use Jordan and when he could use me and what our strengths and weaknesses were. And you don't want four of the same guy because uh, that trait might not suit every situation. So um, this year it was, it was quite unique in that uh, it was a completely new driver lineup for the team besides uh, I'm the only, or I'm, I guess I was the only one with previous experience with this team. Um, but the four, the three of us, Elio, Alex, and myself had worked together quite extensively with this car. So we had some continuity there and then Philippe, we knew we could just plug right in. Um, but when you look at, uh, you know, Elio, uh, anytime you need to make up ground, uh, you know, he's going to be, he's going to be putting in qualifying laps anytime. Rossi's just got a, a, a great, great sense of the, you know, the big picture and strategy coming from IndyCar. Those guys, uh, the strategy is, is pretty critical. And between all the fuel saving that they do, um, he's, he's always got a good uh, head on his shoulders. Uh, and then Philippe, uh, Philippe is a fighter. I'd say, you know, he, he was not, he was not going to lose the race today. He was, uh, he was going to give everything and uh, not to mention just extremely talented and fast in traffic. He's, he's got a lot going for him for sure. I've just had my good friend uh, Logan Robinson calling in saying, what is the meal recovery plan after winning the 24 hours of Daytona? So there's a question for you. Well, we're actually, uh, we're actually at dinner right now. We're having pizza. So uh, there you pizza, go. Pizza, lots, lots of calories. Yeah. That's a tradition, yeah, isn't it? Nice comfort food. Yeah, it is. There it you absolutely go. is. Are you across the road at Hooters or where are you? <laughs> <laughs> Nate, listen, that, Ricky, that I've got a serious question for you. <laughs> i got a serious question for you in terms of, you know, you mentioned two very accomplished single-seater drivers there. And I know that the, the Daytona 24 hours has always brought in superstars. Um, but when you, I mean, you've been around this sports car racing all your life, but when you get an Elio or an Alexander Rossi and then, you know, you get a Jimmy Johnson coming in, I mean, are there characteristics that they are single-handedly and very much used to working with one engineer on their own? I was listening to Jimmy Johnson saying that it was quite unique for him to, to work with a team. And, and, and I find that with Lamont and everything else. But do you find it harder sometimes racing against a single-seater um, expert? Or do you – and are there characteristics that you think, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep guy on this guy because he's – He's a, he's a sprint. I mean, you know what I mean? Are there different characteristics yeah. to a sports car aficionado and a, and a single-seater aficionado? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think one of the big reasons why we kept the, the crew together with the seven car is we all work together so, so well. Um, Alex, Elio, and I, and, you know, to get, to get three drivers, regardless of their background, to work together and compromise, is uh, almost sounds like an oxymoron to have a driver that compromises. <laughs> and so uh, so the three of us, there's just no ego at all, and everybody everybody wants to contribute and win as a team because at the end of the day, uh, you know, 10 years from now, we're not going to know who did what in the race, but we all have uh, all have watches. And Philippe is, Philippe is the same. He's got such an experience with, with teammates. But as you said, when you're, when you're on track, and you see somebody like that, um, you kind of try to judge their experience level. And just because of their success in another discipline doesn't guarantee um, that it's going to fit sports car racing. Um, I know that a sports car driver wouldn't translate necessarily to other, other disciplines and, and vice versa. But um, it is very interesting to, to – uh, and it's a unique opportunity in sports car racing that you go to an event like the Rolex 24 and – you get to measure yourself up against the Scott Dixons and the Kobayashi's and uh, sometimes the Alonzo's and Rossi's of the world. And uh, it's, it's such a fun experience and to see them come to sort of your, your home, home, home turf and, and measure yourself. But um, yeah, it's, it's always a, a, a cool experience. And I guess in the- uh, to get to work with them, you get to see all the little details and sort of what makes them special. Cause uh, working with Elio over the last three years and Rossi for for two and a half and uh, with with all the different drivers that you get to be in the same car with, it, it makes you better and you you can improve yourself and and learn lots from all of them. Hey, Ricky, yeah, I was thinking of uh, Magnuson going in this weekend and what his father's achieved having done Formula One. Uh, we we made him a pretty handy sports car driver in the end. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I don't think you're going to slow that guy down. He's, he's just incredibly talented, and it showed this weekend. He was super – I mean, all of us expected him to be impressive, and he definitely lived up to it. And uh, it's going to be fun to watch him uh, throughout the year this year. I feel really bad for those guys. They they did a, an amazing race for the first time out. Uh, they were back in the series, so I feel really bad for the way it ended for them, but – um, yeah, it definitely took the pressure off those last eight minutes a little bit. Hey, Ricky, I uh, two things. One, I was I sent the Zoom link to your PR person because I I would we everybody who's a car guy, the Rolex Daytona watch is the coolest watch ever on the planet. And I was hoping you'd get on Zoom so you could hold it up and let us look at the watch. But but I, I do oh have, sorry, <laughs> it's all right, it's all right. I know I told her I said here's the phone number two just in case. But I got a picture of one or two. <laughs> Well, Ricky, speaking of Kevin Magnuson, I mean, this this is such a, a incredible group of drivers from all these different disciplines. Do you ever, I mean, look, you're an incredible race driver. How many, like 20-something wins in IMSA and everything. But do you ever kind of get a little starstruck and, and want to go say hi to a driver maybe that, that you've watched or whatever? Oh, absolutely. I think all drivers are fans first. And, <laughs> and uh, whether they admit it or not, I think everybody, or Maybe some aren't, but I'm a big race fan, and uh, definitely I I had a little battle with with him during the race and, and Dixon, and every time you're you're you know you're on track with them, it's like oh man he's he he was in F1 last year, he was he was a five-time IndyCar champion, so um, yeah it's it's uh, it's not something that a lot of drivers say. It's another it's just another driver with a helmet on. We're all the same. <laughs> I always ask who's in what car and. And uh, I, I don't, I wouldn't say I race them any different, but I do internalize it and think, you know, how cool it is that we're all sharing the racetrack together. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would imagine it, it's pretty hard not to. I mean, because you're a pretty young guy, and I mean, some of these drivers have been around for a long time, and and you know, winning championship. I mean, Scott Dixon. Oh my gosh! I mean, you know, that's got to be uh, that everybody's got to look up to him too, but. Um, well, well, um, we have a, a young driver on the phone. Nick, are you still there? Because I want to bring Nick on and let him ask you a question to see if he – Nick's in the USF4 series, and we'd like to uh, – it looks like uh, looks like Nick is, is away from away from keyboard, it looks like. But, well, Ricky, um, I, I want you to tell everybody at the table – tell Alexander Rossi, first of all, I texted him, tried to get him come on. He ignored my text, so he ghosted me. But, <laughs> but tell her <laughs> – but I'm, I'm assuming this is just family. There's but, pizza. You know how he is. <laughs> it's a Taylor-only party. It's a Taylor-only party. That's right. And, and Nick, that actually is what my last question for you. What about how, how did COVID affect everything this weekend? I mean, it looks like it was a pretty good job. I know there was one report uh, of, of somebody testing after the race, but, but how did that – how was that, I mean, with at the, the big fan crowds and everything? Yeah, I mean, we're so lucky to get to, to do what we do. And under these circumstances – uh, everybody at IMSA and uh, Daytona National Speedway, they just did, you know, an amazing job to, to you know, let us come and race and actually put a show on for the fans because this is a heck of a show. And I, I think all of us were uh, on the edge of our seats at the track and to get to, to get to race in front of fans was, was fantastic and to do it safely was even better. Um, they did a, a really good job of, you know, organizing, you know, camping safely and, uh, from so from the outside, you might not see that it looked very different, which was nice. But from the inside, you could see that that they had everything under control and that that everyone was keeping safe, which was which was really uh, first and foremost. Well, Ricky Taylor, congratulations! Uh, couldn't happen to a nicer guy, talented guy. We really appreciate you coming on and stepping away from your family for dinner. Uh, it's a big deal to us. Late ever again. <laughs> And uh, and really, we really appreciate it. And uh, have a great rest of the night with your family. Good. Thank you very much, guys. Thanks for having me. All right. Stay Congratulations, Ricky. Man, what a nice guy. Couldn't happen to a nicer guy. I just really sincerely mean that. And Nikki still there. Say goodbye to Nikki. I know. I, Nick, you stepped away from the keyboard, man. We were going to get you to ask. Yeah, a, a, a... I, I didn't hear you guys call my name. I'm sorry. My brother came into my room to talk to me, and I couldn't hear you guys. <laughs> He's in trouble. There yeah, you go. I, I think I'm going to have to go sort him out in a few seconds here. <laughs> is he 6'3 also? <laughs> no, he's he's not as tall as I was. I mean, he's he's tall, but he's not like 
like an, a man child like I was when I was his age. <laughs> a man child. We'll see you next weekend, my friend. <laughs> All right. That's right. Travel safe. All, All right. right. All right, Nick. Take it easy. All right, everybody. All right. Uh, you guys. Thank you. Yep. Hey, check out uh, – we didn't get to play the rest of the Kevin Magnuson interview. Go to our YouTube page. Yeah. By the way, that, that YouTube video really blew up for us. That's been a, a really fun video to watch the, the traffic on that. And uh, Kevin was really fun in that video. We got to talking about Cadillacs. And I was talking about my Cadillac with him, and he got to drive. He got to drive a new Cadillac that's being released tomorrow. And while he was on our YouTube show, he said it had 680 horsepower. So maybe that was breaking news. Although uh-huh. I don't think so. That sounds a little high for that Blackwing. But anyway, but check out that, and uh, also check out our website, SpeedCityBroadcast.com. And we'll, of course, next Welcome Sunday we'll be back. back. Talk to you then. Ciao, y'all. Happy trails. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t-mobile.com.